Hello, my friends. I'm Amy. And I'm Brett. This is Still Not Ready, a podcast about our favorite Canadian teen drama from the 90s, Ready or Not. Today, we have a very special episode for you. It's our extended, uncut interview with the one and only Laura Bertram. And the crowd goes wild. This video chat stemmed from our spin-off series, Laura Bertram, Is That You?, where we told the story about how our podcast got catfished by someone pretending to be Laura Bertram online. So that's what we're discussing at the beginning. And if you haven't heard the spin-off yet, you can check out all six episodes wherever you happen to be listening now. In the second half of the interview, we get into some fun questions about the show Ready or Not, which I'm sure you'll all enjoy. Hope you guys have as much fun listening as we had chatting with Laura. Here it is. Hello, special guest. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. My name is Laura Bertram. <laughs> and I assure you, we are in a video chat right now, and we're sitting here looking at, without a doubt, the real Laura Bertram. <laughs> I exist. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with us about this whole situation. My pleasure. We know we always hoped we would be able to have you on the show. We never thought it would be under these circumstances. Understandable. <laughs> but amazing to meet you either way. Thank you. Um, and despite what anyone has claimed, we are huge fans. Even more so now as we rewatch the episodes like 30 years later. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. As adults. <laughs> you have different, okay. like you have a different, different set of eyes when you're an adult watching it. Isn't it true? Yeah, Instead we're loving of, it. We're yeah. loving it. I almost want to say, is it a bit more fun to rewatch it now? Because I think now we get all the nuances that as kids, we didn't get. Yeah. They made no oh, sense. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And it was written with the idea that it would be something that could be shared with youth and their parents. So yeah. now being grown women and we're all watching it, we're like, oh my gosh, I see so much more instead of just the awkward, oh, thank goodness she has a bra too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So maybe we just kind of get right into it. Sure. So can you maybe explain to our listeners your social media presence? Okay. Uh, up until very recently, I did not have a presence really much at all. Um, okay. I've never had a Facebook account. Okay. Uh, I've never had an official fan page that I have administered. It's not what I've been doing with my social media self. Um, I do have an Instagram account. It's called It Is Me Laura B. And okay. that is mine for sure. Um, but I haven't been very active on social media, mostly because I'm a bit of a Luddite. So <laughs> I tend to not have a lot of tech savviness. Mm -hmm. However, um, I recognize that that has probably not helped me in the digital world. So just to clarify, you're not on the social network site MeWe? Nope. 
What? I don't even know what MeWe is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not on MeWe. I'm not on Twitter. Um, I'm no, like, no. (laughs) Gotcha. Instagram is where I have been. Okay. (laughs) With limited posts. So we have had a ton of fans of yourself and Ready or Not reach out to us, and they all thought they've been interacting with you online for, well, some of them say years. The one question they always asked us was, well, how did these people get a hold of private photos of your family, you, your sister? Those are good questions that I can't answer, um, mostly because I have no idea. Unfortunately, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time that this kind of a thing has happened. This is um, something that can happen. And um, because social media is so integrated, it's very easy for images and clips to be taken from various sources and posted um, either anonymously or quote unquote as that person. So I believe that's how it happened. Unfortunately, uh, because up until recently, I haven't really been very much involved in that world. It was probably quite easy for that to happen. For you not to notice that people were yeah photos. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when it came to my attention, obviously, I realized that this was, it was um, incumbent upon me to do something about it if I wanted the to be able to present myself the way I wish to be presented, that I have to take ownership of that. So Absolutely. That's... So this next question, I'm, I, I totally understand if you don't want to answer, but we just wanted to ask, is there anything you wanted to say to anyone impersonating you online? I think I would prefer to say to the people who really have tried to seek me out and who've been standing by me and I just want to tell those people that I really appreciate it. And I apologize that you had to go through that as well. It's not fair to feel like you're interacting with someone who isn't authentically there. And I'm hoping that I can provide you with um, an opportunity to at least see who I really am. And I hope moving forward that you aren't disillusioned with me or with the world that I'm associated with because there's lots of great people and we really value your attention and your support. So the fans and the supporters are your main concern in this whole thing. Really it is. I I have to say cuz you know I think it's very uh it's a it's a difficult world to navigate. We don't always know what's real and that goes not just with this situation. This is like in the greater scheme of things. There's so much information that's shared. We all of us have a, a really difficult time sorting through what's authentic and what's real and what's not. And we have to really, we have to really steal ourselves to try and reflect on what is real and what's authentic. Mm-hmm. The problem with the whole system, it's, <laughs> it, that's kind of where the flaw is. I mean, the, the beauty is that we share and that we're in an interconnected world. That is mm-hmm. also the downfall. Right. Um, well, so, and I if, think, oops, sorry, oh, I was just going to jump in with a comment. I think things are a bit ampli- amplified right now, too, because we are so isolated from each other, right? So we are really trying to find connection any way we can. And I think this past year has sort of illustrated that a lot of people are flocking to communities online to try and find that connection because we 
we can't socially have it in the same way, right? Absolutely. We all want to be connected in some way. And we also want to belong. That's a very human trait. So you, you can't fault people at all for wanting to join communities to find that because we're human beings. Humans typically are not isolated people for long periods of time. And if we are, it's because we really need to hermit. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for any other reason. So (laughs) I understand there's a, there's a definite need and the pandemic has, like you said, it's amplified it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And just to set the record straight on our end, did you have anything to do with the petition to get our podcast removed from the internet? No, I had nothing to do with the petition, uh, nor did my sister, who is also named. I think there's a few people in my ring, and none of us are interested in putting down your site at all. I love your Yay. podcast. Well, we appreciate that. We'll just take that. We'll take Can that. Can we just line take that sound We're done. Bite. We're done. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> That's all Amy wanted. And I said, you can't ask for that. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay. I think that basically clears it all up. We also think it's very important. I think you did mention your Instagram, but I think it is important for people to know where can they find you on the internet if they want to know sort of what you're up to and what you're doing. Where's the best place? So uh, I am going to be putting out a Facebook page that is legitimately mine, as I try to say that word. Um, It really is me. And it is, it is me, Laura B on Facebook. And it's the same handle that I have for Instagram. It is me, Laura B. So if you are interested in following real kind of boring lives, that's me. <laughs> it's actually not that exciting, but, um, but it is really me. <laughs> so I, I will try not to let down the people who have been seeking genuine information and I will try to post more regularly. It's not been my forte in the past, but it will be in my future. So that'll be a page for fans and supporters. They can go there and they can follow you there. They can. Um, definitely. Yes. I am planning to put information on just me and things that I do and things that I enjoy. There won't be photos of my children. There won't be family portraits just because (laughs) um, the reason is, is I personally feel that I would like to present myself and that's what the content will be. So if that's what you're seeking out, you will find it on It Is Me, Laura B. There it is. And we should be clear we would never hold any of this against you or anyone in your family. We do apologize to you and anyone else that has been pulled into this for stirring any of this up. It was completely unintentional on our part. We just wanted to do a podcast about Ready or Not. That's it. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> and I I am so happy that you have. <laughs> and we, the Ready or Not team is actually extremely flattered. We found out about you in in a difficult way, but then we're equally flattered by by what you've done. And we do have one request for a shout out. Our friends Ben and Beth, who are hosts of the other Ready or Not podcast called Here We Come, 
they had a very similar experience with all of these fake accounts. And Beth in particular is a huge fan of yours and was very disappointed to find out she wasn't really talking to you online. Do you think you could say hi to Beth and Ben for us? Beth and Ben, hello, it's Laura Bertram for real. And I'm really happy that you've reached out to Amy and Britt and I'm happy to say hello to you and keep up the good work. I'm sorry that it had to go a difficult path for you, but it's worth it in the end. And there, uh, there are a couple of Americans breaking down the show. And oh, Ben, an- who's, who's like a 40-something man, is watching it for the first time. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different flavor to what we're doing. Yeah. Wow. That would be interesting, actually. <laughs> Okay, let's set all of that aside, shall we? Since we have you here, we've got some burning questions that have come up so far as we rewatch Ready or Not and break down the episodes. Okay. So when we're watching the episodes, we pay a lot of attention to 90s fashion. As you've maybe noticed, the 90s are basically 90s fashion is 2021 fashion. And one thing we notice is sometimes the characters are wearing the same clothes. So we were wondering, were you guys just wearing your own clothes? And they thought, oh, this is perfect. Just put them in this. Did they reuse outfits sort of strategically? Yes. So that's a really good observation. (laughs) Um, We notice everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, We had a whole series of wardrobes that were selected for us at the beginning of each season uh, with the wardrobe stylist. And they on purpose recycled parts of outfits and sometimes full outfits because that's what we do in real life. We have a wardrobe. And (laughs) so it was a very conscious decision. Amanda's going to wear the, you know, flowery purple leggings with a sweatshirt that has like a boy's face on it like there's a very there's real reasons but they would map it out and so throughout every season there would be a season of clothes and we would get new clothes every season but it was deliberate it was deliberate that we and there was oh gosh there was one time where I was supposed to wear this outfit where it's supposed to be matchy matchy and the costume designer had me try on pajamas I'm like you know these are pajamas, right? They're like, yes, but your character doesn't know that. I'm like, but I know it! (laughs) I'm 13 and I'm walking out to the school in my pajamas. I was so mortified. Anyways, but it's quite funny because it is supposed to be mortifying. And it worked because it was. And it does, it it made it definitely super realistic that you guys Mm -hmm. re-wore outfits. Yeah. And hats and shoes and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference sometimes with Canadian TV is it feels more like you're watching your schoolmates on TV, whereas American TV, it's like, I didn't look like that in high school and no one in my high school looked like that. But ready or not, it's, yeah, I maybe sat beside a girl guide in class too. Yeah. In her outfit. I know I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We always talk about the extra that always wears the girl, the girl guide, guide uniform. In <laughs> there the- has to be one. There has to be one. <laughs> We're always going like, but why is she wearing the girl guide uniform to school? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, no. Like it, at my school when I was growing up, it was like a badge of honor to wear the brownie oh, outfit. Oh, okay. interesting. Yeah, I was okay. a brownie. 
And we didn't really talk about it at school. <laughs> oh, well, I guess it depends. Maybe it was just the community I grew up in. <laughs> the little girls would wear, like, maybe not when you were 14, if you were yeah. a girl guide, you probably wouldn't. But if you were seven or eight, you'd be wearing that girl guide outfit to school and playing <laughs> in recess and then okay. going to guides. Okay. So we're always talking about it. So <laughs> yeah. there's there's some truth in it. Maybe maybe not everywhere, but where I grew okay. up for sure. Yeah. Okay, so you did say you were thirteen when you shot this show. Was were you thirteen when you like started? I was twelve when we shot the pilot and okay. then then series started when I was thirteen. And okay. basically we continued until I was eighteen. Okay, so Ready or Not is a very well known for tackling some pretty serious and sometimes awkward topics and situations. Just in the first season, there was a miscarriage, there's some racism, Busy gets her first period. Can you tell us what it was like acting in some of those super awkward scenes? Like, how do the writers and directors prepare you for some of that stuff as a 13-year-old girl? Yeah, well, you know, there's... That's a really good question. We would often have table reads. So mm-hmm. when you would be on set, you will have already had the discussion around the topic matter and uh, with the writers. Um, we often had experts that would be consultants that would come in and, and talk about, you know, things that might come up for kids. Mm. Um, okay, when so we, if you had questions. We, yeah, oh yeah, we had we had a therapist that we could talk to if we needed. Oh wow. To. In fact, we didn't really use it, but we had consultants who would be available all the time. So we they were really good to us. And then they also wanted to hear what we thought about certain things. Mm. And and sometimes we had no answers and that was also great because it left that room for the awkwardness but also Not everything can be answered. Like there aren't always answers for things. And that's okay too, because that became a launching point for viewers to have discussions in their families. And I I can honestly tell you, we would receive letters from parents saying, I am so glad that we talked about this episode because my daughter came to me and had questions. And this was an avenue that we had Mm -hmm. never entered like it was, it was eye-opening. We had no idea that that would have that kind of a, an impact that would create a dialogue for families. So the fact that it was awkward was authentic. I think yep. that's a really good point. So we had some guests on and they're two American women who review Degrassi, Everybody Wants oh, Something yeah. podcast. Oh, and yeah. we did the episode where Troy is fired from the butcher shop. Oh, yeah. And I think it's called black and white or maybe gray. Yes. Yep. That's it. And those two women really like the fact that we left that episode and Sam Ramon, his actions didn't change. It wasn't this sort of magical 20 minutes. I don't want to use the term cured, but oh, all of a sudden he is no longer thinking in that same way. So that's interesting because they picked up on that sort of, it was nice to sort of not have an ending. It didn't end all rosy. Yeah. Right. And it's more real. Yeah. It's real. It's more real. That's, I don't think you could have said it better. It's more Mm -hmm. real because sometimes there aren't answers and -hmm. sometimes our parents make us mad. And sometimes we're ashamed of where we come from. And those are all real things. 
to have those as talking points in a show, it's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. I think the real question we all want to know is what was in the pages of the fully illustrated guide to sex? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a horticultural book. (laughs) Oh, so they just... No, they didn't. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was... They were very... No, no, no. I think it was like literally like, this is how you prune a cactus. Well, <laughs> like, I think it was maybe not a cactus, but you know, it was like that. But that's kind of phallic. Um, it's more like it was yeah. something very benign, like an encyclopedia. Okay. So they just changed the cover of the book to say fully illustrated guide to sex. Well, that was a question that came up when we were breaking down the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, they were really good to us and they did not, uh, they did not try to make us shocked for real. (laughs) That would have been something else. That would have been a discussion. (laughs) It was the nineties, but (laughs) yeah. So one thing we also talk about, too, is in season one, we see Amanda, your character on the show, takes karate, she skateboards, she's writing poems, she's singing. Were any of these real-life talents that they knew you had and said, oh, let's just use those in the show? So I sang as a kid. I was part of a choir, but I was in a choir. It wasn't because I was exceptionally fabulous on my own. It's because I could sing in a choir. But I did not skateboard, no. I did not ice skate, no. Oh, uh, did the skateboarding. <laughs> yes, it was pretty awkward. Uh, no, there were, but there were a bunch of great opportunities to do something fun and physical. So they would have people come and help us. But no, I, I didn't necessarily um, do all of those things, no. <laughs> we were wondering about the singing in the, uh, yeah. when you sang the, uh, save the animals, save the, animals. Save the tree. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did. I did do that. Yeah, that was me at the end. It was like uh, we were in the sound booth doing the audio voice recording ADR after the show had okay. cut, and they were like, "Okay, could you sing us out?" And so we're like, "Okay." And so we basically riffed it like that was just all riffing. That was oh, at the end when you guys like change your voices a few times and sing uh, the song. Okay, yeah. wow, yeah. we're we getting did. so much information. <laughs> Yeah, it was just fun. Oh my gosh, the Liz. I love that episode. That was fun. They were so nice. All those all those guys were great. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but so Amy and I both are moms. We have young kids. I think I would rewatch some of the episodes once my daughter's old enough. I mean, she's one, so we've got some years to go. But would you rewatch some of these with your kids if they got to the right age? I think so. Um, they're both they're both too young right now. I haven't yeah. watched any of the shows with them. They know what I did and what I do. I still do, but for them, they're kind of like, yeah. What's what's new on Paw Patrol? Like they would kind of like prefer that as a right now, to, right now, <laughs> which yeah. is fine. Yeah. But that's totally fine by me because. Um, they can discover it or we can decide together that we look at that another time in our lives. But no, right now, probably. I guess it would be different. Like me watching it, it's like, oh, this can open up conversation. But you watching it with your kids and you're the person on the show might not really open up those conversations in the same way. They might look at it going, what are you doing? You know, like they would just have that. (laughs) Are you wearing pajamas, mom? That's (laughs) so embarrassing. 
you can't skateboard. <laughs> I would love it if they said that. Because uh, there's only one way that like kids can tease their mom. Like in only a way a child could say, oh, mom, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're out on the West Coast. You're still, you're still acting. What is sort of the film industry and the film scene or TV scene like sort of out there right now? Well, we certainly have been fortunate, I think, in general, compared to much of Canada. We opened earlier. Basically, I was working on a show, then we got shut down because of the lockdown in March. Mm. But then we resumed shooting in July. So we've been working through the pandemic. All of the industry really, really, really has been working hard to continue working, mostly because a lot of us who work in the industry are not eligible for CERB or weren't eligible right. for CERB, we're self-employed, doesn't work. So it's really important for us to be able to continue to work to support our families. Whatever concessions were needed to be met, were met. Right. Um, so and BC worked really hard to get it done. And us being at home watching all the TV, we're all very appreciative <laughs> that you keep working during that pandemic. <laughs> I know content is like at a, a, a like super need right now. So yeah, it's, yeah. And our listeners would kill us if we didn't ask, what can you tell us, if anything, about the Ready or Not reboot? So we are in development right now. Okay. Ooh. So we um, we have scripts. We have characters we are just in development at the moment we're working on all of those details and these things take time I wish I could share more I'm actually not at liberty to share too much more information um, out of respect for the creative process but also out of respect of the people who we would be working with Um, Mm -hmm. development is where we are at leave them on the edge as they say (laughs) So this is a question that anytime we have someone sort of guest on the podcast and break down an episode, we always ask them, Laura Bertram, are you a busy or an Amanda? I'm an Amanda! Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) We had to know. (laughs) You know what? Most people say busy. Most people have said busy, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you rewatch with more adult wisdom... I was an Amanda for sure as a 12-year-old, but now as an adult, right? Now as an adult, it's like, no, busy. I get what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) She's got those. She's got lots of words of wisdom. Yeah. smokes. Definitely. so wise. Definitely. (laughs) That's actually well said, Britt. I like that. I was an Amanda at 12, but now I'm a busy. Yeah. That could be... that could be closer to the truth for me, too. (laughs) But I have to say Amanda... You have to. You have to. Okay. We won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for reaching out to us, for coming on the show, to set the record straight. This couldn't be a more perfect ending for us. And I think there are a lot of your fans that will be happy to have finally heard the truth. And if you're up for it and ever want to come on our regular podcast and help us break down an episode of Ready or Not... The invitation is always open. Thank you. It's a pleasure. 